the only tool missing from your belt, Simpro. Total business software for the trades. When you choose Simpro, you get the digital power tools of the trades that make work, work. Founded by trades, for the trades. Simpro is your solution for scheduling, quoting, inventory tracking, and easy workflow management that grows with you. Join more than 200,000 users worldwide who trust Simpro to help them run and grow their business. We're here for you. So let's get to work. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the ASIAL Security Insider podcast. And our guest today is Michael Lang, Solutions Architect Manager for NVIDIA. Michael, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, John. Great to be with you. Now, for those of us who don't know, including me, what is a Solutions Architect Manager? Well, at the end of the day, we help our customers design capabilities really to enhance their, their business. So obviously, AI is one of the key underpinning components. And sometimes people struggle a bit with infrastructure, what that can look like. And of course, more importantly, what it's all about is the software stack on top, which actually provides the solutions. So we guide our customers and educate them as they go. Okay. Now, obviously, there's a huge amount of discussion at the moment around artificial intelligence, and we, we won't today dive into whether or not we're all going to become Duracell batteries hooked up to an AI system that will become our robot overlords in the next 50 years, because that's probably outside the purview of this conversation, and it doesn't matter as long as I'm taking the blue pill, who cares? Um, but the, I guess the question I do have for you is, where is the state of AI at at the moment? I mean, and what is the difference between artificial intelligence and artificial general intelligence, because they're two very different things. Yeah, look, really good question. So in regards to the state of AI and its play in the market, it really depends on customers and how forward thinking they are. So we get two different types of customers. Type number one is, hey, is this real? Is it happening? You know, is, is it really as big as the hype says? And number two is getting on and doing it. And in some cases, they are building their own solutions, which requires skills and, and capabilities of the infrastructure layer. But others who want to get going faster, they're just buying off the shelf and deploying. And that's their goal. So in, in that respect, uh, we really have two entirely separate camps. In regards to the the full intelligence piece, so there's a real change uh, over time. We've gone from uh, analytics, so analyzing data to get some insights out of it, to what we obviously call you know general AI, which sounds odd because it's still fairly new, which is actionable intelligence. So where we have the capability for AI to assist us with decision-making. And then we have the new piece, generative AI, which everybody knows is chat GPT, but the generative AI piece is more what we call large language models, which is the ability for AI to create content. So it's really those three different things. Uh, and depending on which one of those you're after, you know, it looks a little bit different for each customer. Okay. So obviously with changes in AI, and let's come back to that in a second, but with changes in AI, we're starting to see a lot more growth, a lot more development, a lot more sort of, you know, capability in the, the video analytics space and beyond. Because one of the things that we have been very good at for a long time in the security industry is collecting all sorts of data. One of the things we have been terrible at in the security industry for a long time is actually doing anything very meaningful with that data or being able to produce any kind of real world metrics or intelligence that make use of that data. And I, I imagine with the growth in artificial intelligence, data analysis and data impact is going to be one of the thing, one a lot, couple of the areas where we start to see a lot of growth. And and because we can recognise patterns, we can recognise trends, we can analyse huge volumes of data very quickly. 
Where do you see the growth in AI coming in places like the security market? Yeah, look, I think you touched on it really well there, John. It, it, it comes into two parts. One is scale and one is speed. So, you know, traditional spaces where, you know, we have, you know, hand tools to go through uh, large quantities of data, we just can't sift at that scale. You know, if you look at it as a mining operation, it, it's very much, um, you know, out in the bush with a pan trying to find things. And it, it's you find nuggets of gold occasionally, but it's pretty rare. Whereas the industrial scale capability of AI, and, and when I say industrial scale, it doesn't mean you have to have large infrastructure. To your point about how advanced it is, you can put out some extremely small appliances that are incredibly powerful and, and of course, cost effective that really give you that scale and speed. So in security, of course, one of the things we're after is timeliness. And we really want to make sure that we get actionable AI as quickly as we can, you know, so so that human beings can do what they need to do, whether it be safety, security, stop loss, you know, whatever it may be. And again, um, the other piece you touched on, I think is really, really important. We're seeing another wave now where it's not just for, you know, analyzing real-time things that are happening. And again, allowing an individual person in an operation center to scale, but longevity over time. So that might be in a commercial uh, setting where we want to see what the demographics are, what the heat maps are, are we optimizing what we're doing, you know, distribution centers for um, goods coming in and out and all of those. And again, that longevity over time, analyzing you know very large quantities of data, that's a really important piece, which is really only taking off right now. So there's plenty of capability growth that customers are seeing, but new opportunities are arising quite rapidly. Yeah. Well, I guess we don't know what we don't know. And it takes sort of large learning models and, and AI to be able to pick patterns that we wouldn't otherwise normally see. Is that correct? Yeah. So this is obviously, you know, working on this with domain experts, you know, AI is not capable of doing the things that people can't do until people assist in that training. And again, this is uh, not to replace people, it's to augment our skills. So, you know, whether it's somebody you're looking at, um, you know, picking fruit, for example, you know, one person can wander back and forth, you know, up and down the aisles of trees and the rows of trees. But, you know, when that person is augmented by a couple of cameras, they can do that a lot more effectively and, and there will still be always things for them to look at. So, you know, it's really about assisting us as people, but also the people need to assist when you're developing a model uh, in making sure that it's trained appropriately as well. So there's always space for subject matter experts. And of course, we want action to be taken by people at the end of the day. So, you know, AI gives us advice. We're the ones who are the final arbiters, you know, what happens and, and how that goes forward. Sure. Obviously, we've seen an explosive growth in artificial intelligence in the last probably 10 years, since about 2015, and your organisation, NVIDIA, has played a large role in that. But can you help both myself and people listening to this understand perhaps some of the, the key factors behind that sudden growth? Why have we seen this huge jump in the last 10 years in capabilities in AI? Yeah, look, it's a common question we get, which is why is NVIDIA a, a GPU maker or a chip maker, or in some people's minds, you know, you make gaming cards, why are you at the center of AI and what do you do? Initially, that was due to the nature of our chips. Um, we call it a GPU, it's a graphics processing unit. So yes, it does graphics, but it does, um, you know, workloads basically of maths. And AI is an incredibly complex maths problem at its core. So if you look at our chips that might have well, some of the smaller ones have got a couple of thousand cores on them. Some of the bigger ones have got tens of thousands of cores and you put those into you know, a large server. You can suddenly start to see computationally the massively parallel nature of our GPUs and what they can provide. 
So that's where we sort of started off back in the, the days, sit around the 2015 and even before Mark. And we'd been active in the high-performance compute or supercompute space for a very long time for that reason. But of recent times, we've actually had more of a pivot to software. So our GPUs keep evolving and we've got some new generations in market now assisting customers with deployments and infrastructure. But it's the software piece that really makes a difference because that's where the workloads are. That's where the smarts is, that's where the intelligence is. So we have a lot of frameworks that helps either customers build their own solutions or even better, and especially in the security space, We've got frameworks that allow software developers to do half the work. So we do the bottom infrastructure layer, both the hardware and at about a good third to a half of the software, and they put their smarts on top. Then they get faster time to deployment, easier development, and uh, lower overheads for them as well. So that that um, boost has grown, not just with chip expansions, but also with our software piece. And I think we have more people working on software now than hardware. So it's uh, it's it's a good pairing as it were. And um, I am continually surprised by the genius with which customers and the, the software developers out there apply themselves to. It's just new things every day. So the, uh, the use cases are expanding, which is really great for customers. Yeah. Now, given what you've just explained about the role of the processor and the ability and, and the number of computing cores and the ability for AI to actually do what it needs to do, I guess I would ask, we're starting to see like we did, you know, probably 20 years ago when everyone became environmentally conscious, we had all these people claiming that their solutions were environmentally friendly and that they were green and this and the other. And we had this whole epidemic of what was referred to later on as greenwashing going on, where people were claiming that things were environmentally friendly, even if they weren't necessarily particularly environmentally friendly. Now we're seeing all sorts of products pop up, especially in the security space, where people are claiming it has artificial intelligence. I saw one at a, a trade show in the US recently, you know, an AI doorbell. And my immediate reaction was, really? How much computing power are you fitting into a doorbell? I mean, let's talk about real AI and, and what we actually expect to be able to see it doing and what is not AI. Yeah, yeah. Look, it's, it's a good question. So at the risk of making a poor dad joke about green, NVIDIA is definitely green, you know, but in terms yeah. of, you know, being able to apply our solutions in a green way, it's actually something that 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 keeps a lot of our team up at night, to be very blunt, because somebody who, who powers the, the AI revolution, it's a really big issue. So if we look at a, a security-based deployment and imagine a customer with a dozen stores or a large uh, site that they, they want to have um, security um, monitoring and, and you know, looking after all the equipment and industrial inspection and all the things that we do on, on site. You might need as little as uh, two or three GPUs. Uh, in some cases for a store, it might just be one. And those GPUs are roughly the size of you know, a mobile phone. Uh, and they're about 70 watts each of power. So that is, and that's with you know, several thousand cores on it. So if we look at that compared to the um, number of CPUs you might need to maintain that, and this is really a heat conversation and a power conversation, it is extremely effective. And certainly one for one, our GPU versus CPU, for example, we will always be hotter and therefore using more power. However, on general, it's usually about one server with GPUs versus about 11 without. So comparatively for the compute performance that people use, um, absolutely, GPUs are literally greener in, in what they do. But this also comes down to that software piece. And, and we have a lot of people doing some crazy smart things. And I don't claim to understand half of the tensor mass that goes on there, more than half. Um, and you know, making things more optimized. And this is really, really key. And whether it be 
you know, video encoding streams that, that people may be used to for many years and using smarter ones, AV1 and stuff like that. There's all these things we can do to lower these compute overheads and make sure that, in fact, we have the greenest possible solution. And I'm quite happy to say that there's quite a few customers who have fairly small, low-powered, small form factor desktops with one, sometimes two GPUs in them for a relatively large deployment because that's a small footprint. And that's what we want. Of course, you know, there's always, you know, cloud solutions as well that you can leverage and cloud usually follows best practice. So, you know, depending on if that infrastructure works okay for you, that lowers your footprint at the edge massively. So not just your power bill, but the overall power bill, because you've now got shared infrastructure with others. So there's lots of different ways we can slice and dice this, but, um, you know, very happy to, to stand up with a whiteboard and do some calculations for people. And yeah, we absolutely are a very, very green firm and, and always doing more, always doing more. Yep. Uh, of course, the point was not to you know dispute whether or not Nvidia was green, but more about you know the people's claims to to be using AI when they aren't necessarily AI. And I guess that leads me to to my next question, which is, you know, throughout my lifespan at least, and I imagine for for people who came before us, you know, you could always predict with some level of certainty what the world might look like five to 10 years from now, even with major industrial revolutions like the introduction of the printing press or the introduction of television or the introduction of radio. You know, you could say within a, a, a safe margin within five years what the world might look like. However, when you look at what's happened with large language learning models like ChatGPT and its explosive growth of, you know, a million users in the first week and the the massive proliferation of, of AI, I literally have no idea what the world is going to look like in five years' time, given the rate that AI is growing at the moment. So my question to you is, what sorts of trends are you seeing in the security space and in general with AI? Yeah, look, that's a really good question. So somebody once gave me the analogy of you've got in golf, and I'm a very poor golfer, you've got the putt, the chip, and the drive. So I'll probably play around the putt and the, the chip level. I'm not going to go for the drive. Yeah. But I think the short answer is um, pervasiveness and democratization. So you know, were talking about uh, you know the, um, the, the silliness of an AI a camera on a doorbell. You know, and and it's true. It's very hard to embed you know AI into that, or even given the processing of a, of a mobile phone, you know, put into there. But um, with cloud services and relatively cheap on-prem services, and the proliferation of software, I think we can safely say the democratization of AI in a variety of different ways is there. So you can build in, for example, language translation. So you know that allows if you have uh, an AI solution where you've got people talking back and forth. You know, and again, in security, this is an important thing, especially if you want to understand people rapidly. Um, you know, and in a multicultural society such as Australia, having that built into tools can be really, really powerful. But you know, the embedded nature of AI and what it can do, even on some fairly low-powered devices like phones, means that we have a lot more capabilities at that edge. So having it more pervasive in in a good way uh, is really, really powerful. So. You know, there are examples we see, for example, people who have a heart condition, it gets detected by their watch before they even know it and things of that nature. And the ability to, to for software vendors uh, and manufacturers to deploy stuff like that, I think really, really helps us. Could be crash avoidance in vehicles, you know, but if we take that in the security space specifically, again, I'd come back to the analytics piece uh, and the, the inbuilt nature of software, it becomes 
uh, not an add-on, not an afterthought, but it's fundamentally part of what the software does so that we get more secure, we get more safe, we get more analytical solutions. And while some might be highly tailored, and I use an example of you know, a distribution center perhaps for manufacturing or industrial um, site maintenance, things like that, we can have that a whole lot smarter so that a camera on a pole 100 meters away can detect heat that's unnatural in a, in a fitting, for example. And that's a safety uh, piece for, for customers. We have site maintenance that people shouldn't be in certain spaces at the same time, for example, as forklifts. And that can be natively built into software, you know, um, and again, safety and security. If you've got a site where you've got uh, a few people on, on premise after hours, if, uh, you know, for example, a car circles the block four times, they get an alert and they know what's going on. And that sort of stuff is, is native in the software, um, whereas we don't have that nowadays. It requires us to have a cognitive overhead on ourselves to monitor everything all the time, which, of course, we can't do. You know, so I think that that nature of um, freeing up a lot of our cognitive workloads to be able to focus on other things is going to be really, really helpful in the security space. And look, you know, all you need to do is look at a security operation center with, you know, 15 screens to know that probably, you know, a mobile phone with TikTok is the most distracting thing that can be there. Well, now we can make sure that that overhead is not on the people who are there um, to assist. They can be notified automatically even when we think that things might be a challenge versus we wait until they are a challenge. And that could be something like flooding or doors being left open, all sorts of things, you know? So I think that that ability to help us do what we do better at a much lower level uh, and built into software is, is, uh, is already rapidly evolving. So um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a keen space, keen space. Yeah. And I guess in closing, one of the things I would ask, and, and I guess, it, it perhaps touches on some of the space that we just covered, but, you know, we talked a little bit about trends and what sorts of trends are starting to emerge, but what about opportunities? What are the big opportunities that you see coming up? And I mean, we've talked a little bit about the predictive side of things. So being able to pick patterns and behaviors and things that people aren't necessarily picking up on now, or that we don't recognize because we're fallible humans. But what are the opportunities as far as robotics, automation, camera automation, touring, uh, you know, the integration of various disparate systems like radar and CCTV and license plate recognition, using AI to tie all of that together to create bigger, broader pictures. What are some of the opportunities that you see might be potentially emerging over the next five years? Yeah, look, that, that's a real challenge. But I think um, to, to paraphrase your words there, I think the word synthesis is probably the big one tying things together. So uh, if you have a, a, and it's very easy, especially in the security space to deploy a point solution. And we have something that does one thing really, really well, but what does this look like if we look at the full integration of all of our suite of things? And it could be, you know, a, a combination of different systems in our business. But, you know, if we look at um, everything talking better together, you have a very, very different picture. And more importantly, you have a very different set of analytics to learn from if you've got things that are plumbed in and work better together. So that, that framework, that ecosystem, rather than individual point solutions, can really change what we can do. And that data uh, gives you a lot more capability for analysis and learning and it enhances your business. So I think that that plumbed in integration synthesis piece over the next five years, as, and of course, standards will you know evolve over time as well. You know, people like to either lock in or involve themselves in an open standard, depending on, on what their business stance is. And that will give um, consumers who buy off the shelf a lot more choice 
and a lot more capability in terms of what they do. And so that both plug and play, but also a little bit of bespoke add-on, that's where some really interesting stuff's going to happen over the next few years. Yeah. If I wanted to learn more about AI or sort of research, you know, the potential for AI within my business, if I'm a solu- security solutions integrator or systems developer or whatever it may be, where would you suggest I begin that journey? Well, obviously, the conference coming up is probably the first part. You know? So come along and, and see really the, the the breadth of offerings that are there as well uh, and, and talk to um, the people who are there who are actually in the industry doing stuff, who are adapting their products to, to customers' needs. You know, and they, they change over time. You know, we have quite a few things on our uh, website and our uh, YouTube channel that are quite helpful there. And in the security space, we have a platform called Metropolis. So get into that and have a look at what that provides there as well. Um, but I think, you know, really talk to the, the experts who are deploying this and ask them, you know, really hard probing questions. And, and to your point, not where we are today, but, you know, where are we, where's your product going in the next three to four years? What are you changing? What are you uh, building into it? How smart is it going to be? Again, open, closed, that sort of stuff as well. Um, and how does that help me in my business? I mean, I think they're, they're really the key parts. Um, it's very easy to be an expert in your own business. And I think taking that that overlay from you know experts at ASIL and seeing what that looks like, how the two of those things can work together, that's really the key, I think. Yeah. Michael, thank you very much for your time. If people would like to find out more about you or get in contact with you, what, what where do they go? What do they do? I will be at ASIL. Come see me or hop on our website. You can find me on LinkedIn as well and more than happy to help uh, with any questions people have. That is quite literally why me and my team are here, to help customers. Thank you very much. Thanks, John. Great. So that's that part done. So we'll just do the 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 final sort of promo piece for the conference. So it just consists of, you know, um, it's going to be really, you, you might make a statement like, you know, we're going to be discussing a couple of really important things at the conference, like where we're at with AI, what are the threats, what are the challenges, what are the opportunities, but the most important thing is, and then just cut it off there. <laughs> you're mean. I love it. I love yeah. it. Oh, you're good. You're good. Uh, so the most important thing is, freeze. Okay, cool. All right. Do I start or you can start? Yep, whenever you're ready, just roll into it. So, you know, this year at the security conference, I'm going to be discussing a whole range of things, including and just give it two or three things and then give them the cliffhanger. Shall I say this if I'm addressing you or addressing the audience? The audience. Okay, cool. So this year at the ASFL conference, I'll be on a panel talking about all things AI, current state of AI, what's coming, what's happening right now, some of the vendors on the floor and how they can do their things. But the most important thing we'll cover is... Perfect. I'll just get you to do it one more time, but instead of at the ASIO conference, at the Security Expo conference. Security Expo conference. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, this year at the Security Expo conference, I'll be on the panel with some colleagues talking about the state of AI, where it is, what's happening, what you can do with it, what's coming down the track, and also a bit about what's on the floor and what you can see there as well. But the most important thing we'll cover is... Perfect. Thank you for that. I feel a bit it's, uh, doing that, but anyway, it's all good. That, that's good. That's what we want. We want them to go, what, what, what? I need to know, and then come along. But look, there's so it, it's always really hard to constrain these conversations to just the space that we're talking about because, I mean, 
you know, how do we align values in AI? How do we contain AI? Will AI actually become something that grows beyond our designs for it? You know, what are the what are the threats and what are the opportunities with AI? We see huge opportunities in the medical field and it scares the absolute shit out of me in the military space. Yeah. Because when you when you get commanders start to talk about, you know, people under pressure in the military space make really, really bad battlefield decisions. So let's just hand it all off to AI, which doesn't feel those pressures. And it's like, yeah, but if you're talking about giving autonomous shoot, no shoot commands to AI, thank you, no thank you. Yeah. It's um, it's interesting. Yeah. And we don't get a lot of visibility in the military space. They, they keep their, their cards really close to their chest. But um, if you watch some of the stuff that's coming out of um, – uh, the northern hemisphere and not not so much them but what some of the learnings are out of the um i'll say nato aligned sort of you know audience of the us and elsewhere um even people like the israelis there's some really interesting learnings uh with battlefield analytics because you know drones are everywhere right so that is um very 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 interesting and um if you put a security overlay on top of that and you can pretty much see what's happening pretty fast but uh yeah, grow, growing space, right? Growing spaces. So, um, but no, no, it's all good. All good. I think we've got a lot of, um, lot of, lot of really good things to talk about, and we'll, we'll constrain those conversations if they happen. I had one of those recently, and it was like a left field, you know, um, matrix type question, and everybody in the, on the yeah. panel went, "No," and it's fairly easy yeah. to shut those things down pretty quickly, right? So, so not a problem. Yeah, yeah, excellent. All right, Michael, thank you again for your time. It's fantastic. Thank you, John. Love your work. See you soon. See you soon. Ciao, Bye. Bye. And ladies and gentlemen, don't forget, if you've enjoyed this podcast, there are plenty more like this one in the ASIAL Security Insider series. You can find them on uh, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Blurberry, uh, the Google Play Store, and all the other great places that you can find amazing podcasts. And we look forward to catching you on the next episode. Have a great day. The only tool missing from your belt, Simpro. Total business software for the trades. When you choose Simpro, you get the digital power tools of the trades that make work, work. Founded by trades, for the trades. Simpro is your solution for scheduling, quoting, inventory tracking, and easy workflow management that grows with you. Join more than 200,000 users worldwide who trust Simpro to help them run and grow their business. We're here for you, so let's get to work.